Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Pastor Bill Devlin, welcome back in. Well, well, Dawn, God bless you and your team there at 1210. And hey, I'm happy to serve uh, as your international, global, interplanetary <laughs> correspondent, uh, free of charge, free of charge. <laughs> and God bless you. And thank you for having me on. And yeah, you know, last Friday was a sad day in yeah. Philadelphia. I was asked by my dear friend, Monsignor Dennis Gill, who's the parish vicar and priest at Cathedral Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul, and he asked me to be in the procession for Sergeant Christopher Fitzgerald, and it was a deep, deep honor. Uh, Monsignor Gill and I have um, just been long-term, 30-year friends, and but the saddest part about last Friday is I was there, up there on the altar with uh, Officer Sergeant Fitzgerald's uncle and uh, Bishop Lawrence. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, Fitzgerald, Officer Fitzgerald, is not Catholic. He is uh, what you would call a born-again Christian, as I am, evangelical. And so uh, Monsignor Gill asked me to participate. The saddest part about that was to see Sergeant Fitzgerald's widow in the front row uh, clutching and just hugging a, a plaque that uh, was presented to her, uh, uh, elevating her deceased officer, Temple University police officer, husband, Fitzgerald, to sergeant. And she hugged for three hours. I saw her hugging that plaque. And then over-the-top sadness to see her four little kids there, uh, amongst family members, uh, Fitzgerald's father was there and other relatives. But to see those four little kids all under the age of 12, to be there in the front row dressed in black and uh, just, Dawn, it, it was uh, too much to handle. And then to bring him up to the cemetery there, uh, Forest Hills in Huntington Valley, he's buried about a mile from my home. And But just over-the-top sadness and uh, I, I'm encouraging your listeners to remember to pray for his widow and those four children as they move forward in life. I mean, Dawn, can you imagine moving on from that? It's it's really unspeakable. And uh, that the, the night prior, uh, I had just gotten in from northern Nigeria, as you just mentioned yes. on the intro. I was in northern Nigeria for 10 days caring for widows 
whose husbands had been beheaded in front of them by Boko Haram, the Islamic militant terrorist group there. And were these, really these were Christians? So it's, a, it's because they're Christian? Yep. Yes, because they're Christians. Their husbands refused to deny their faith in Jesus. And as a result of that, uh, they take out a machete and uh, ask them to kneel and will you deny Jesus and say the Islamic prayer, Shahada, to become a Muslim? And they say no. And they normally, interestingly enough, they give them three chances, like, you know, uh, Peter denying our Lord three times. And then if they say, I will not deny my Lord and Savior Jesus on the third ask, then they uh, down comes the machete in front of their, their wife and their children. And then they normally decapitate uh, the, the male children, and then take the wife and the daughters as sex slaves, and then they disappear into the Sambisa forest there in northeastern Nigeria, never, never to be heard from again, unless uh, the family, the, the remaining family, pays a large ransom or these women escape. In fact, while I was there, I spent a evening with one of the young women, a 30-year-old teacher who was kidnapped two years ago, and she escaped, had to trek through the wilderness, through the Sambisa forest there in northeastern Nigeria. If you can imagine this, for seven days, uh, only moving at night, once the sun sets, uh, she began to move. And it's just an incredible story, these courageous women that are Christian, they refuse to deny their faith in Jesus. And as a result of that, they see their entire family murdered before their very eyes, uh, their houses are burned down. And so I've engaged myself through my organization, widowsandorphans.info, uh, and another organization where I'm the volunteer CEO. No one in our organization, we're very unusual. No one gets a salary. No one gets benefits. We're all volunteers. And so every penny goes into helping widows, orphans, the neglected, the forgotten, the disenfranchised, the persecuted church. And, um, uh, so I, I am now rebuilding, or I should say building, uh, destroyed houses. That uh, That's what happens after they see their husband beheaded. If Boko Haram allows them uh, to b- remain alive and not kidnapped and become a sex slave, then they burn their house down. So we, I was just, in fact, a week ago today, was in the home of a widow by the name of Amina, who saw her husband beheaded right in front of her, her children killed, and then her house burned down. So we just last week uh, dedicated her house to the Lord. Uh, We were able to raise a a few thousand dollars and rebuild her home. So that's the kind of stuff I've been doing. Besides, uh, I've made a commitment to attend every funeral of a fallen police officer, law enforcement, whether they're in Philadelphia or in New York City. And, and Dawn, it was just about a year ago that the two officers that were killed execution style in New York, uh, a, a Latino officer and an Asian American officer, Latino American, Asian American, uh, that were murdered. And we held uh, that uh, funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral. You know, it's so, got to be, it's disturbing when we think about this. I mean, I know that you, you're also a co-pastor of Infinity Bible Church, Octane Faith. Mm-hmm. People can find you, widows and orphans. And we love hearing your updates. And you're also somebody who has, you know, I should say that 
you know, you served in Vietnam. You've served in the U.S. military wounded after a bomb landed on your ship. And initially you had refused the Purple Heart. Can you just quickly remind me of that story? I have a question for you about the youth of our country and and all of that. But why did you initially refuse the Purple Heart? Well, and and just so listeners know, uh, I actually volunteered twice. Uh, when when I graduated from high school, it was, it was not really a graduation. It was more they kicked me out at uh-huh. uh, Somerset High School in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And I, I had been orphaned at age 16, Dawn. Uh, my father left home due to alcohol. And then eight months later, uh, my mother dropped dead in her backyard uh, while uh, doing some work. And uh, so right at the end, of, that's when I was a junior in high school, uh, Mama's dad, dad had departed because of his selfish uh, attitude and love of alcohol. And uh, yet, right after I graduated from high school, my dad entered in my life and he, he said, I want you to go into the military. So I did. I volunteered. And then a year later, I was uh, thankfully transformed by the power of Jesus. I invited Jesus into my heart and life and I was transformed uh, and then a week after that, I knew we were fighting a war in Vietnam, so I volunteered to go to Vietnam. And a year after that, I was in a small ship off the coast of North Vietnam, and the Vietnamese, North Vietnamese, dropped uh, several bombs on our ship, missiles. And the reason I initially refused uh, my Purple Heart is that I had all my limbs intact. I was not morbidly injured. And so I went to my CO uh, of the USS Bossell DD-845, Commander Tompkin, and I said, sir, I respectfully decline the uh, Purple Heart. There were about five others that were injured on the ship. And uh, he looked at me and he said, Petty Officer Devlin, I direct you and command you to receive the Purple Heart. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to spend any time in the brig, Don. So, uh, (laughs) Uh, myself and five other uh, combatants were pinned with the Purple Heart. And and by the way, uh, it's DD-214, the veterans listening to this. That, that's your uh, honorable discharge papers. Uh, my Purple Heart and many other awards, combat decorated, uh, meritorious unit commendation. It's all DD-214 verifiable. In other words, no stolen valor here. And unfortunately, we even have a U.S. senator up in Connecticut, Richard Blumenthal, that lied about his Vietnam service. So uh, anytime anyone talks about their military awards, ask to see their DD-214, Department of Defense 214. That's the honorable discharge papers, and that will verify uh, all of their awards. In fact, Don, I, I actually carry it with me in my car. So just in case anyone asks, hey, uh, Pastor Dev, are you for real? And I hand that to them and say, yeah, I'm for real. Here it is right here. Yeah. So, yeah, Can a you, great story. It, well, I wanted to just, I know that, you know, sometimes we have new listeners, whether they're listening on the Odyssey app anywhere in the world or uh, 1210 WPHT Talk Radio. So I just want to reintroduce, you know, who you are and what you're all about even though, of course, we all love you and know you here. You're always home here. But, you know, I you. I imagine, yes, of course, Pastor Devlin, and I, I have to ask you this, you know, as we think about, and I know you were, you were there um, serving, 
during that during the funeral of this young officer now you know posthumously promoted to sergeant father mm-hmm. husband Christopher Fitzgerald the the nature and the details of how he was killed in the line of duty the fact that this you know kid really uh, just turned 18 is accused of standing over his body after shooting him once and yeah. pumping the bullets into his head and his body repeatedly in this this particularly you know heinous and cruel act and we see this over and over earlier in the 10 a.m in the beginning i talked about these teenagers as young as 10 years young and 14 uh charged in the the murder the traffic cone beating of a 72 73 year old gentleman who was simply walking we're seeing this more and more that there's a new level of mean and cruelty and apathy and when you think about that, I, I try to wrap my brain around it and say, what's happening in America? It's not exclusive to us on the mm-hmm. East Coast or Philadelphia. It's happening around America. How do you explain this? And and is yeah. there a connection to the pandemic shutdowns, the shutdowns? And the um, children were not just banned from the classroom, but were banned from places of worship like churches and synagogues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for me, as someone engaged in the culture for all my adult life, since uh, I became a Christian at age 18 and received Jesus into my heart and life, I mean, Dawn, to be honest with you, I was one of those people. I was angry. I was bitter. I was hardened. I was a drug addict. And uh, I was transformed by the power of Jesus. And so I can, in, in a macabre, weird way, I can identify with that 17, 18, 14, 15-year-old that really has no soul. And that's what we're seeing, the denigration of life. I served on Pennsylvania Attorney General's Violence Reduction Task Force a number of years ago, and I remember having a forensic uh, scientist come in and someone who was doing the post-mortem autopsies of, of gunshot wounds and he was an older man, and he said, when I first started, you, we would get bodies that would have one or two gunshot wounds in the decedent. And he said, now, and again, I'm talking even 20 years ago, so we're talking at the beginning of the 2000s. Right. This forensic scientist said, we now see multiple, like 35, 40 bullet holes in those that have been uh, killed. Yes. So... Uh, Basically, we have a generation of youth that has lost their soul. And, of course, being a pro-life advocate and loving the mothers and the unborn children. I mean, if we've taken the lives of 72 million unborn children since 1973, Dawn, what do we expect that's going to come out of that, that we can take the life of the most innocent member of uh, humankind and American culture if we can wipe them out? like it's nothing more than getting a tooth pulled or an ear pierced, then something has happened to the soul of a nation. And what's happened to our soul, particularly with the young people, is that they've been exposed to so much violence. They've been exposed to the cheapening of human life when we can take the life of the most innocent, the unborn child, and hurt a lot of mothers then what do we expect is going to come out of that? So we really need, you know, people have been reading about these revivals that are happening at colleges 
uh, there in the Midwest. We really need a spiritual, emotional, uh, psychological, and a Jesus revival here in America. So uh, we live in a violent nation. I mean, look at how many mass murders are going on. And so the, the more that we can bring the love of God and the word of God, the love of Jesus, the word of Jesus to our culture, then that's really what's going to turn things around. It's, it's, I, I've been in just about every anti-violence, anti-gun uh, march with the NAACP, with Black Clergy of Philadelphia and vicinity. I'm talking going back to 1987, and I've been there, and yet nothing's changed on in the last 35, 40 years here in Philadelphia. So we're praying uh, for an engagement of the love of God to really blanket our city. And so that young people's lives and old people's lives, middle-aged people's lives, that they will be changed by the power of God, because uh, that's really the only way we're going to change. It's, it's, I call it legislation of the heart. There's got to be a heart change in people's lives. Like I had some 52 years ago, where I went from death to life, from uh, hating God to loving God, and to understanding why Jesus came, and then receiving him into my heart and life. So that's really what's going to take Dawn, and and I invite your listeners that they have that transformation in their lives, uh, and it allows me now, people say, well, why do you go to the war zones, Pastor Devlin? Why Why are you running around the world? Well, it's because God changed my life, and I want to bring his love, grace, and mercy to others, and raise money here in the U.S., bring it over to places like Pakistan, Nigeria, Khartoum, Sudan. Uh, I'll be going to Syria and Turkey, getting an evaluation on the earthquake damage in Syria, where I've been before, Turkey, where I've been before, and uh, then, of course, going to uh, East Pakat, which is 12 hours northwest of Nairobi, where I'm building schools in order to prevent young girls as young as 11 from FGM, female genital mutilation, and child marriage. It's endemic in this animist culture called East Pakat. So we're in the pro- we've already built 10 schools. We have 13 more to go. And these schools will deliver these young 11 and 12 year old girls from FGM, female genital mutilation and child marriage. Imagine that getting mutilated as a young girl at age 11 as soon as you begin puberty and menstruating, and then at the age of 12, your parents marry you off. So, you know, we we in America can't imagine the violence of that. Uh, However, we've discovered there in that culture that we build schools, and we build, we can build a school, imagine, Dawn, for $6,000, and then we get 150 little girls in that in that school building. I mean, it's simple. It's iron poles, a simple timber structure with zinc roofing, and we can get it up six days for $6,000. So it's pretty amazing. And uh, so I, I invite your listeners, and you've been so gracious to have me on, Dawn, and God bless you. Invite them to go to widowsandorphans.info. That's widowsandorphans.info, not .com, but .info. And they can see pictures of what we're doing and all the stuff that we can certainly we we want to engage with the American people and just say, look, you know, join with us. I take a lot of people on my trips. Uh, not many people want to go to the war zones, Dawn. Uh, maybe you and Larry will go someday when you have some time off, yeah. and I'll bring you over to Nigeria or Sudan or East Pakat. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. But thank you. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.